Ready for the word? All right, we're back in 2 Corinthians, and we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, we're going to get through nine verses by grace and faith. So let's, uh, let's read 2 Corinthians 8, 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God that's filled with nourishment for us. We're going to open our heart, receive it by faith, and be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, again, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what you're saying. Father, I thank you that they walk away hearing from you, and only you can do this miracle and believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go up to verse 1, start unpacking this. Moreover... Brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Look at the word moreover. It's similar to therefore. When you see the word therefore, what should you ask? What's it there for? It's connected to what was said. So moreover means beyond what I just said and moving on based on what I just said. Well, if you go back to the last verse of the last chapter, Paul says, I have confidence in you in all things. And boy, he's going to stretch it to the limit and talk about, okay, let's talk about your finances. I have confidence in all things, and let's talk about your finances, because sometimes your greatest test of discipleship is what do you do with your treasure? What are you going to do with your finances? And Paul's going to bring that out. And so moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God. This brings out the fact that the grace of God needs to be made known to us. And because grace is a revelation. I think every human being understands sowing and reaping. You put, we can see it happen. You can throw seed in the ground, it pops back up. And we realize consequences for our natural actions. Everybody, unbeliever, believer, understands. You, you do good things, you get bad things. You, I mean, good things, you get good things. Bad things, you get bad things. And so we see that. But the grace of God is something that's a spiritual revelation, something only by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, I want, you to, I want to make known to you the grace of God. So how is the grace of God going to be made known to you? It's through the Word of God by the Holy Spirit and through the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. He says, I want to make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And he says, there's, some, there's a grace of God manifested in these churches and it's going to come out in the form of giving. Matter of fact, Paul in the next two chapters, he's going to refer to Christian giving as grace. Ten times he's going to talk about great, uh, grace giving. That giving for a believer is in grace and should be by grace. And so we're going to find out what's the difference between grace giving in the New Covenant and giving under the law or under works in the Old Testament. And so before we get there, I want to talk about that in 1 Corinthians, Paul brings up an offering that he's receiving for the saints that are in Jerusalem. Matter of fact, there was a, a prophet named Agabus. Some years forward, he got up and he prophesied a great dearth a great famine would hit the region of Palestine. Sure enough, it happened. And so there's great uh, poverty happening to the saints that are in Jerusalem. So Paul's bringing out the fact that he's receiving an offering. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 16, he brings out that I want, when you meet, before I get there, I want every Sunday that you lay aside some of, have God prospers, you lay some aside for this offering. So when I get there, there will be no offering needed to be taken up when I'm there. And that's been a year ago, and guess what? They've taken up nothing. Nothing. They've given nothing to it. They haven't completed what they said. Sure, Paul, we're going to be there. We'll count on us, but they haven't given anything. Not one red denarii. And we're going to find out why, because after Paul leaves, false teachers enter into the church. 
They're called Judaizers, legalists. And they came in and started lying about Paul. Says Paul was here for selfish motives. Why is he asking you to lay aside money so when he comes he'll take it? Well, he's going to take it for himself. He's a thief. And so they started listening to that and, and started doubting Paul. And they pulled back on the offering. But, and then instead of that, they themselves were robbing the church. They were taking from the church. Paul later in this book will talk out that you take it gladly when someone plunders you, when someone robs from you. We didn't take anything from you. We didn't take up one offering when I was here. We weren't after your money. We were after you. And when they left, all of a sudden the Judah says, no, he's here to take your money, but we're here. We're super apostles. So you need to provide for us because we're super apostles. And so they're taking their money. So the money that should be going to the kingdom of God is being siphoned off by thieves. I want to bring out how that happens a lot inside our Christian life. That sometimes we say, well, I just don't have anything to give to the kingdom of God. Why? Why do you have not anything? First of all, that's a lie. Second of all, a lot of things that, a lot of the finances that should be going to the kingdom get siphoned off by thieves. Thieves in our life. Areas where it's flowing into, our, into other areas that, that probably should not. And so here that's something that we can learn ourselves. So many Christians say they don't have much to give, but a lot of their money is being siphoned off by other things in their life. And so Paul says, again, I want to make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The grace to prosper is not just on the churches of Macedonia. Do you know every church has a grace to prosper? This church has a grace to prosper that's upon it. And that brings out the fact that you're the church. So you have a grace of God upon you to prosper. Tell someone you have grace on you to prosper. Well, I wish you had manifest. I don't see it. Well, you great faith giant. Do you know grace is not automatically manifested? Or everybody would be saved. Everybody would be healed, equally healed. Everybody equally prosperous. No. You must receive grace by faith. And faith that's, that's let me be more specific, faith that's released. Faith that's released. You release faith two ways, by your words and by your actions. We're going to find out, first of all, it comes about your word that you need to start speaking you're blessed. You're blessed. There's a guy I used to work around a lot, and I'd ask him, how are you? He'd say, I'm blessed. And he'd say that a hundred times a day. I'm blessed. And guess what? He's blessed because he believes it. It's not just what just flippantly comes out of your mouth, but if you believe it, release your faith by words, and then by actions, we're going to find out giving is a release of our faith in God's grace. That we'll find out grace giving is what God has already given us first. See, religious giving is I give to God and then God prospers me. No, no, no. He prospers you by grace and then you release your faith by speaking that you're blessed and releasing it by giving. If you believe you're prosperous, a prosperous person has no problem giving because they know they believe they're prosperous and they can give. And so you're prosperous. Guess what? When you got saved, you, you became loaded. You're loaded. Your father has concrete in heaven called gold. He makes curbs out of gold. And your older brother's a Jew. <laughs> Tell someone you're loaded. Matter of fact, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, He hath blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's verse 3. He didn't even say you need to do anything in that book. He basically says, hi, I'm Paul. By the way, you're blessed. You're blessed by grace because you've accepted Jesus. And Jesus performed for you. He was perfect for you. And now he pours out all of the things Jesus deserves on you. That's called grace. And everything that you have has come from grace. And so you need to have a revelation that you are blessed, that you are prosperous. And then when you speak and act on it, it's released. Grace is released into the natural. And that's called grace giving. But so many times in the natural, we think if we just give, that'll make God bless us, God prosper us. No, we got it backwards. And oftentimes when we're on the law, thinking that we initiate and God responds. That's the law. That's, that's Old Testament thinking, that I initiate, God responds. No, God initiated, we respond. And so faith is our response. And so we get it backwards. And that's why so often we're not prospering. Because we don't have a revelation that God's grace is on us. Now, let me say something to you that you don't really have to have a revelation of God's grace to, to have some level of prosperity in your giving. Because there's a law in the earth called sow, reaping and, sowing and reaping. 
right? You know that there are some unbelievers that have tapped into the spiritual law, and they sow, and they get back. They're not even saved. They're not even righteous. There are some companies that have learned the lesson that they, they give some of their proceeds away, and there's prosperity that comes back. But guess what? For a Christian, there's something beyond that, just the natural blessings called spiritual blessing, the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of uh, upon you that it's God's super upon your natural. Amen. There's a natural blessing in sowing and reaping, but when you add faith to God's grace that that blessing's upon you to prosper, that's when his super gets on your natural and you have supernatural prosperity. Tell someone they're super on your natural. <laughs> so God, so Paul refers to giving in the new covenant as grace ten times. Look in Deuteronomy 8, look at verse 18. This is a verse that's found in the five books of the law, but it's speaking about the covenant of Abraham. Do you understand that when God blessed Abraham hundreds of years before the law came, that the law did not get rid of that covenant that God gave to Abraham and to his seed and to those after him? No, anybody that was under the law could get a revelation of grace and switch covenants. Switch right back into the Abrahamic covenant of grace and operate there. And we're going to find a verse here that, that, that talks about the Abrahamic covenant of blessing that is upon a believer. Look in Deuteronomy 8, look at verse 18. It says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for he, he, it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to his fathers as it is to this day. Notice something, he doesn't give wealth first, he gives power. He gives power to get wealth. What's the power? That's the blessing of the Lord upon you. The, Lord bless, the blessing of the Lord is upon you, and it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and has no sorrow to it. You know, the natural people of the world that's operating in the natural, they're sowing and reaping that there's sorrow attached to it. Anything in the natural, with every rose comes a thorn. With everything in the natural, there's a negative and a positive side to it. But when it comes from heaven, comes from the throne, from the, every perfect gift comes from heaven above. And so he gives a prosperity without any sorrow. And his super comes on your natural. And he gives you power. You need to understand you got the power. Tell someone you got the power. Power for what? To get wealth. As a believer, you have supernatural prosperity power on you called the blessing of Abraham. But it's voice activated. Oh, I'm just, why, why ain't it working for me? Because of what you're saying. Oh, I just never have enough. I have a fixed income. Well, you're the one that fixed it. I'm serious. I have a fixed income. Well, you fixed it. Unfix it. You can change it with your words. You can change it with your actions, but it comes to a revelation that God's riches, as everything has been given to you. You're prosperous. And when you start operating and pulling on the grace of God upon the natural giving, that's when supernatural abundance comes to you. You got me worked up. It's my first sermon as a full-time pastor. Amen. You, made me, you made me do it. We're going to talk about tithing this morning. I'm not going to get too much into it. We're going to find out tithing predates the law, predates the ever giving of the law. We're going to find the first one that ties is Abraham as a Gentile. Before he's ever circumcised, as an example of an unbeliever, as a Gentile getting saved, as someone like us as a Gentile being saved and operating cheerily God's grace by faith. We're going to find out that God's blessing and tithing was different than the law. We're going to find that out. But first of all, the, the fact is, is many churches don't tithe. That's the fact because many Christians don't tithe. They don't give. Many churches don't give. They receive offerings, but they don't give out. They don't tithe themselves. Well, this church does. Matter of fact, I have one controversy with you guys. I have one problem with you guys. You're, you're great in many things, but, but you caused me a problem. The problem is, is I can't keep up with you. It's because I come to my associate Craig and I come to Edna over finances and say, okay, I want to make sure that we're having 10% and above tithe and then we're giving offerings. I want to make sure we're keeping this. Says, oh, no, I came back. No, no, we're under. Okay, we'll start giving to this one. We'll add to this. We'll go there. And I'm doing good. Hey, we're, we're above. We're, we're going. And then a month or two later, I'll say, hey, just want to check on it. You're, you're down below again. I can't keep up with you guys. 
That brings out you cannot outgive God. You cannot. It's fun trying, but he will not allow himself to be outgiven. And he says the grace of God is being manifested in the Macedonian churches. Well, what churches are in Macedonia? That is the church of Philippi, the church of Thessalonica, and the church of Berea. Those three are in the Macedonian area, and all three of them are big givers. Big givers. The Corinthian church is a rich church. They're not giving anything. The Macedonian churches are poor. And we're going to find out why they're facing poverty, but they're, they're giving much compared to what the Corinthians are given. And so I want you to see that the Philippian church was different than any other church that Paul ever dealt with. That out of all the churches, the only church that ever gave to Paul was the Philippian church. Isn't that sad? Even was there. He would never take off offerings in the church he was in so that they would not, because he was basically starting the church, starting with the gospel, kind of acting as an evangelist. And so he just said, take the money issue out of the way. He worked on the side, made tents on the side. And so he worked. And then on, on Saturdays and stuff like that, he would work in the, in the churches. Uh, but the, no church would ever give him anything, but the Philippian church gave while he was there. And after he left, found out where was Paul. They would send him great offerings. Matter of fact, he was in Corinth having to work his tents, or it was a tent-making business, and he was ministering on the side. An offering came in so big from the church of Philippi that he quit working the tent job and went full-time into the ministry. Went full-time into the ministry. And there's a time in your ministry you need to work sometimes a secular job before it's ready. And so Paul did that. And, the, and so the Philippian church partnered with him and was the only one. But I want you, what made Philippi so different? What was it about the church of Philippi that was so different? Yes, their heart. Their heart was different. But what was it about that? It's very interesting to think about. Out of all the churches Paul went to and established, the Philippian church was the only church that he had a supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit and a revelation he was supposed to go there. Do you remember that? Where he was in Asia on a missionary journey and he tried to go into Asia, the Holy Spirit said, don't go there. Okay, can't go south. So I'm going to go north into Bithynia and the Holy Spirit, don't go there. Oh, can't go south, can't go north. I can't go back because God told me, go ye forth. So I'm going to go as west as I can go. And he comes all the way to the end of the sea. And he's on the beach and says, look, Jesus, unless I walk on water, I need some direction. So he's praying that night in a vision in the middle of the night. A man from Macedonia, from Philippi, saying, come over here. We need you. A supernatural revelation of where he's supposed to minister at. And out of all the churches he ministered, that is the most fruitful he ever had. It came off a supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. This brings up the fact in our giving is that there's fine that you can give to this good, that, that good work, that good work. We are blessed so that we can give to every good work. But there's sometimes the Holy Spirit says, I want you to give to that ministry. I want you to give to that person there. Super divinely. And that's where supernatural harvests come from. Supernatural partnerships come from the Holy Spirit giving you a revelation that you need to give into that ministry. What does that bring up? Pray. Has it come to that? Yeah. Pray. It's good to just give freely from your heart. God's not against that. But pray. Is there somewhere specific, some ministry, some sister, some brother, some uh, parachurch ministry, some church that you, that you want me to partner with? And God blesses that. Look in verse 2. Then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, that's the, the Macedonian churches, then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. Great trial of affliction. What is that? Persecution. Great persecution hit this area, hit this church. Matter of fact, there was great persecution in Thessalonica. That made, he got ran out of Philippi, got ran out of Thessalonica, got ran out of Berea. Out of persecution. That persecution is still strong in those areas against Christians. Matter of fact, to work there, you worked in trades. You had trades that you worked in back then. And they were getting saved, and they were saying, hey, I'm a believer now. And they said, well, if you're a believer, you can't work in our trade anymore. They couldn't find jobs. And so there was a great persecution hitting them. And so there's a great trial of affliction. Anytime in the New Testament you see suffering, trials, and afflictions, almost always connected to persecution. persecution. So this poverty, guess what? God redeemed you from sin. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. He redeemed you from sickness at the cross. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he also redeemed you from poverty at the cross. Hallelujah. But he hasn't redeemed you from persecution. He hasn't. And this poverty is a direct result of persecution. 
And so they're facing that. But it said that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their giving. The riches of their giving. But I want you to notice something. Before they were rich in their liberality, they were rich in joy, in the abundance of joy. Guess what came first? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit came before the giving came. This brings out specifically joy. I want to bring out something to you. In my years, and I've been around the block a few times, about 30 years, been, been around 30 years in churches and ministry and something, I've never seen someone that is just a sad, depressed, critical person that's a giver. I've never seen a strong giver that is, is just a sad... They're not givers. Why? Because they have joy. You have to have your eyes on the goodness of God. You have to have your focus on the things of God, focused on the goodness of God, have your eyes on the grace of God, and your faith lays hold of the grace of God. So, so if you're a sourpuss and you want to prosper, then you need to get your eyes off you and off your problem and get them on Jesus and start, start rejoicing because God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word hilarion, a hilarious giver. Amen. So first of all, they had an abundance of joy and then riches of liberality. They were generous. Go down to verse, well, first of all, do uh, you know Jesus was watching someone, was watching an offering one day at the, at the temple? And he watched the rich people come in and with horns and they're blowing and they gave large sums of money. But you know what? The, there was a widow that threw two mites in and Jesus said, that woman gave more than all of them gave. Really two little mites. He said, yeah, but the other ones gave out of their abundance. She gave all she had. Do you know the ones that gave that had so much that what they gave, they didn't feel it? A lot of Christians give as long as they don't feel it. You know what? Feeling it means your heart got attached to it. You know, so won't you, if you don't feel your giving, won't you move it up to where you feel it? That's when your heart gets attached to it. Because it's where your treasure is, there your heart shall be. I always thought that was backwards. I thought, where your heart is, your treasure will be. Uh, Jesus said, where your treasure goes, your heart follows. You know what I'm talking about. Lord asks you to do a big offering. You write a big check, put it in the bucket, goes by, and your heart goes after it. <laughs> you don't like where your heart is. You can change your heart and redirect it by moving your treasure there. You can take away possessions from a Christian, but not their generosity. I don't care if you just have, you have anything, then a generous person is going to find a way to give. Well, I'll give when I strike it big, when I make the lottery. No, you, no, well, if you're, not, if you're not being faithful to give what you have now, you won't then. Oh, sure I will, Pastor. I have it all laid out. I know exactly what I do. No, well, hold on a second. Jesus doesn't agree with you. In the red. He says, if you're not faithful in the least, he's talking about money in that verse. If you're not faithful in the least, you're not faithful in much. You're unjust in the little, you're unjust in the much. That's called for finances in, in that context. And so the riches of the liberality, verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. This brings out the fact that we are to give according to the ability that God's given us. Oftentimes, our ability is limited by the thieves that are siphoning off our finances. The flesh, avenues of the flesh that's siphoning off the finances that we have and the ability to give. And so, this says that you are not required to give what you don't have. I came out of the church, the, the Word of Faith movement back in the 70s and 80s. And they had what's called faith checks back then. Now, now, I want you to write your check out in faith, be in faith about it, but it's not faith to write a check out and there's nothing in the bank to back it up. So someone would write a $5,000 check and they would drop it in, believe in the minute, hit the bottom of the bucket, woo, $5,000 would hit their bank account. And then it would go boing, 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 boing. The world calls those faith checks bounced checks. 
You're not responsible to give what you don't have. Matter of fact, it says you're, you are responsible to give according to what you have, not what you don't have. But they said they gave according to their ability, and above their ability, they were willing. Didn't say they gave above their ability, because you can't. They said they were willing to do it. If they had more, if you, if you have that heart to give above what you're able to give, then he'll get it to you if he can get it through you. He'll get it to you. And beyond their ability, they were willing. Verse 4. Imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. It says they were freely willing to give in this offering. This brings out the fact it was their idea to give. You know that what's in your heart, the abundance of the heart mouth speaks? Whatever you meditate on, what's important to you is going to come out your mouth. Especially I like it when, when a young couple's in love. Well, you're going to take along. She, he's going to talk about her. She's going to talk about him. It's going to come out your mouth. You know what was in Paul? You know what was mostly in, besides the Lord? It was the Jews. I mean, he was obsessed with breaching the Jews. And he, he brought up one day, he said, yeah, those, those, those Jewish Christians over there, they're suffering. Pray for them. And, and when he said it, the Macedonian saint said, you know what? I, we'll pray for them, but can we give to them? And Paul looked at them and said, you barely have two nickels, barely two denarii to rub together. I would feel bad to take anything from you guys. No. No, keep your money. You need it. And they said, no, Paul, please. Matter of fact, imploring means beg. They begged them. Lord, Paul, please let us give. Will you please take an offering from us to take care? And Paul felt like, well, I'm going to be in the Jerusalem Times. Preacher takes from poor people. And finally, he says, fine, I'll let you give. And it says they begged him, begged him with much urgency that they would receive the gift. Look at the word gift. It's the Greek word charis. If you're from Texas, it's charis. But the word gift is charis, grace. Receive the grace and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. They're saying, God blessed us with this. God's blessed us with everything we have. We're just going to give what God first gave to us. We're going to give it in faith because God's our source. If he freely gave us this, he'll freely give us more after that. So imploring us with much urgency, we'd receive the grace and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Look at that word fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia, partnership, a partnership. And so they realized they were partnering with these saints in Jerusalem and with Paul. He begged us to be part, a partner with that. So let me talk now, what's the difference between giving in the Old Covenant and giving in the New Covenant? I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 7. Please go to King James. King James, Hebrews 7, look at verse 5. This is tithing under the law. We're going to find out later that Abraham tithed hundreds of years before the law, and it was totally different on what took place. I want you to see Hebrews 7, look at verse 5. And verily, they are the sons of Levi, the Levites were the priesthood, under the law, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes, say take tithes, of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, that they come out of the loins of Abraham. Who's, and so he brings out that under the law, they took tithes. It was something like taxes. You had to pay tithes. And so they took tithes. That's what the priest did. But look in verse 6. We're going to talk about a man named Melchizedek that's going to make Abraham. He's a priest under the Old Covenant. He's a priest of grace that represents Jesus. And Abraham's going to represent us as believers. We're going to find out how does tithe happen under that system of grace. So look at verse uh, 7, 6. It says, And he, Melchizedek, whose descent is not counted from them, the Levites, the received tithes. Say received tithes. Of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Under the law, you take tithes. Under the covenant of grace, you receive tithes. I don't take offerings in this church. I receive offerings. They freely come. I don't take them. I don't demand them. Matter of fact, look at Genesis chapter 14. Look at verse 17. We're going to look at Abram. And he's going to come back from a great victory over uh, some, some uh, armies that took Lot. See, God told, told him to keep Lot home, don't take a lot, and he took a lot, lot became a lot of problems. So he had to go and save lot. But in the meanwhile, he, he got all the plunder from these armies for, for how many years of, of loot and, and millions of dollars. He, he gets it all back. Genesis 14, 17. Abram's loaded. 
And the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram at the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is a type of Jesus, it says Melchizedek didn't have recorded beginning of days, didn't have recorded ending of his life, and in type was a type of the eternal priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. What is that a type of? Communion? Type of the elements of Jesus Christ by which he blesses us. We're blessed through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. So he brings to Abraham bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him. He did what? He blessed Abraham. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God, Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into his hand. And then he gave him a tithe of all. First of all, he was blessed by grace and gave as a response to grace. That is an example for New Testament giving. God blesses us first by grace. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you're flipping on TV, there's plenty of preachers out there saying, there's a miracle happening now. If you'll give $500, $1,000, then all of a sudden the anointing will be released. And your family will get saved. You'll get a healing. I'm sorry. You don't buy God's blessings. God blesses you out of grace. That's no different than the middle-aged church with indulgences. You pay this indulgence and you get your person out of purgatory as soon as it hits the coffer. No, no, you don't buy God's blessings. God's blessings by grace. But you tap into grace by faith. And so here, he did that. And so let's move on. And so when, a, when you give to a ministry or a church, you're partnering with them. The pathway to fellowship is often through your pocketbook. Why? Because your money, it represents your time and your energy, your finances. So it says, ministering to the saints, verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You know where truly grace giving starts? It starts with you. Giving yourself to the Lord. Well, why is that? Because you yourself owe yourself to the Lord. You didn't create you. God created you. Freely out of love, He created you. Why did God create you? Why did God create us? Because love has to have something to love. So He says, I have so much love, I have to create objects to love. And He created you for His sole reason is to love you. He loves you. And you're here because of God's grace. Then the response now is, okay, then I'm going to give you me. So when you come up here, hop into the offering box. There's room. <laughs> Why do you need to give yourself before you give your finances? Because giving yourself to the Lord sanctifies your offerings. It sanctifies your motives. Because if you give money instead of giving yourself first you'll either try to end up, uh, you'll end up trying to, uh, to manipulate people or allow people to manipulate you. So giving yourself to the Lord sanctifies that. Let me say that more succinctly here. If you give yourself to others before giving yourself to God, you'll either take advantage of those you're giving to or they'll take advantage of you. Giving yourself to God gives you wisdom and direction on who to connect to and give to. Then they gave to us by the will of God. Notice that. It says they gave to us by the will of God. What does that mean? They prayed about it. Lord, who, who should we be a part of? Should we a part, be a part of Paul's ministry? And God says, yes, yes. This is the ground I want you to hook to. Paul had a revelation about them and they had a revelation about Paul. That that was the ministry they were to be connected to and they were connected the rest of his life. They were giving finances to him where he traveled. They'd find out. There was a time period where in the book of Philippians says, you know what? There was a season where you didn't give because you didn't know where I was. It was a winter, but all of a sudden your, your interest and care for us budded again. You found out where we were and finances were on the way. You partnered because you both had a revelation of the will of God. There was a divine connection. There's a divine connection you in giving. God wants to divinely connect you to a place to give. It says you gave to us by the will of God. We need to pray before we get involved with ministries, churches, and projects. We need God's will on the matter. 
We can only discern this by giving ourselves to God first. Some saints give themselves over to ministers, ministries, and churches or projects that are not God's will for them. They give because they're begged. Well, we have a great need. Now, that's okay if you feel peace about doing that, but pray about it. And so some saints are giving to places that's not God's will for them to give to. Sometimes Christians are not prospering from their giving is because they're not being led in their giving. And so verse 6, for us to urge Titus that as he early began this kindness, look at the word kindness, it's the Greek grace, grace. Paul's going to bring out, the, it's, giving is grace in the new covenant. For us to urge Titus that as he early began this grace, so he would even finish it for you also. He's going to bring out, it's been a year. And you've, and you've promised and, that you would give out of how God prospered you and you haven't given anything. Verse 7, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in diligence, in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What grace? The grace of giving. The grace of giving. He talks about the gifts of the Spirit. He's going to bring out they were strong in the gifts. They loved the gifts of the Spirit. It was operating. And all the gifts are by God's grace. You can never be holy enough, perfect enough to deserve a gift of the Spirit operating through you. It's by grace. That's why sometimes some people stand up and are used by the gift of grace and you know them. How could God use them? It's grace. That's why God can bless you too, sweetheart. I know you're sweet, but not that sweet. To ever deserve any of the gifts of the Spirit to operate through you. And so this says, you abound in faith. That's the gift of faith that's operating in this church. They had all the manifestations in this church. Then in speech, that's the utterance gifts. They had the utterance gifts operating in the church. Next of all, in knowledge, the Greek word gnosis, this is speaking of the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge, the word knowledge and word of knowledge is gnosis. Op they operate in the word of knowledge. This is operating in the church. And so we're talking about that they're strong in the gifts, and the gifts came by grace, but they tapped into it by faith. You operate in the gifts by faith. Tap into the grace of God to operate in these gifts. Then he says, in all diligence. That's zeal. They had a lot of zeal, but they were stupid. But they had zeal. And then he says, lastly, he says, in your love for us. Notice something. He put the fruit after the gifts. They were putting more importance on the gifts than the fruit of the Spirit. And the love of God's mentioned after the gifts. He says you, that you're abounding in love, but guess what? Love has to be released. And the chief way it's released is by giving. God so loved the world, he... He says, see that you abound in this grace also. Why is this? Because everything, every finance, everything you have in your life, God gave that to you. It's rooted in God's grace. Well, no, pastor, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. There's never been such a one. There's never been such a person. Well, yeah, no, no, I, I pulled myself by my own bootstrap. I'm a self-made man. Okay, well, wait a minute. So you gave yourself birth. Good job. You changed your diapers. You educated yourself. Good job. You gave yourself your breath, you breathe. You gave yourself your intellect. Gave yourself your understanding. Gave yourself your talents. You opened doors for yourself. No, no, no. Everything, everything is rooted in God's grace in your life. And grace giving recognizes that and I'm only giving back what you first gave me freely. You freely gave and I freely give. I freely give. It's not demanded. I don't have an obligation. God's not demanding of it to me. I'm freely given because God freely gave to me first. See that you abound in this grace also. Not all, not all givers are mature believers, but all mature believers are givers. I've never met a mature person in Christ that was not a giver. Never. Most Christians are not abounding in this grace. They're abounding in the fruit. They're abounding in the gifts. But a lot, most Christians, in the, and I'm not here, I'm talking about universal-wide, United States, I'm talking about the church, body of Christ, most Christians are not abounding in this grace. Statistics say the average Christian today gives 2.5% of their income to the kingdom of God. Most believers, let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to continue to grow in the love of God? 
Continue to grow in grace. Continue to grow in your faith life. Continue. So, so you don't want to stop at a certain level and say, you know what, that's good enough. rest of my life, we'll just stop there and we'll, we'll you know, I'm good. I'm good here. So you're, none of you like that, right? But you know most Christians done that with their finances? Because they said, you know, this is the amount that we're going to give to the kingdom of God. We're going to give this amount. And they haven't changed it for years. For years. It says, grow in this grace also. So what does this mean? Why don't you pray, perish the thought. Let me make a little stretch, stretch out a little bit. Let's bump this up because it's been here. I'm pretty comfortable. Let me feel it a little. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, after a while, oh, I'm comfortable. Oh, I feel it. You should continually be growing in this grace also. Verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of the Macedonian churches. They're rock solid poor, and they're giving out, giving you, and you're rich. But I speak not by commandment. Paul says, I'm not going to come. There's no commandment to give. I'm not going to tell you to give. I'm not going to command you to give. If you want to give, give. If you don't want to give, don't give. I speak not by commandment. Verse 9. He uses the Macedonian churches as an example of giving, but now he's going to use the highest example possible, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, of how he gave from his grace out to the world. Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Let's talk about finances in this. You can't get back behind it. This, this section in context is talking about finances. The, the key to interpretation of the Bible is context. You take the text out of context, you're left with the con. It's not talking about spiritual riches. It's talking about natural riches. It's talking about finances. And Paul, and Paul brings out that he was rich. He was loaded. He was in, you know that heavenly city we're going to? He didn't just create it a few years ago. That's an eternal city. The gold street's been there for a long while. Do you know the, the 12 gates are made of a solid pearl? I want to see the clam that made that one. But he's sitting as a, in his royal robe, but he laid aside the riches of heaven and, and the attributes of God and came down, although being God, he laid it all aside. And, and he and Jesus was born in a borrowed cradle. He preached from a borrowed boat. He rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He ate his last supper in a borrowed room. He was buried in a borrowed grave. He made everything... He that made everything laid it all down to become a man so that you could enter into his richness. But don't get in the lie on the other side. Well, he was a poor preacher. He was a poor preacher. Oh, he was poor. Dirt poor. And I don't want to be in the ministry if it's like Jesus. Had nowhere to lay his head. Yeah, he was a traveling minister. But let's see, Jesus had no lack in his life. Started off with a bang. He had some magi show up. That's not three guys in bathrobes. Let's say three guys in bathrobes. No, they, they, tradition tells us they came in caravans. Three guys in bathrobes wouldn't call all Jerusalem to get into a stir when they came into town. No, there was a caravans and camel loads. And, and they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. The kid was loaded. And he lived off that. The whole family lived off for years in Egypt waiting for the king that wanted to kill him. Then in his ministry, he had wealthy women traveling around his ministry providing from their substance. That's Luke 8, verse 3. Wealthy women. Say amen, women. Giving of, his sub, giving of their substance. Some of them, the, their husbands didn't know about it. <laughs> but they got blessed. 
Jesus had a treasurer with a money bag. If you don't have anything, there's nothing for a treasurer to count. And he was a thief, and he was stealing things out of the bag, and no one knew it, except for Jesus by the gifts of the Spirit. Then finally, we see at the cross, Jesus, they took his robe, and they said, this is so nice, don't rip it. This has no seam in it. Matter of fact, a robe back then that had no seam was very expensive. Only the ultra-wealthy had it. He had a nice suit of clothes. And so he was dressed nice. He, he had no lack in his life. But on the cross, he was stripped. He hung on that cross naked. Totally empty to take our curse of poverty so that he could give you his richness. He wants you blessed because he's already given you the grace. It's on you. He's blessed you with it, but you're going to believe it. Start speaking it. I'm blessed. I'm blessed with the spiritual blessing of Abraham. I'm blessed. My father's blessed. My elder brother's blessed. I'm blessed. And you start giving. So I'm going to start sowing in faith. I'm going to start taking of the grace God gave me and release it in the earth. And that, that sowing and reaping works. But then the, his super gets on your natural. And the supernatural, because it says that, that uh, Isaac sowed in the land of famine and reaped a hundredfold. Sowing and reaping went into overdrive. There were other people trying to sow and reap around there, and they'd throw their seed in, and it would die because there wasn't anything there. But a blessing of Abraham was on him that when it hit his natural, that super hit his natural, he had a hundredfold in a land of famine, popped out of dirt, out of hard ground when no one else's did. That'll happen for you. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much that you blessed us with everything that we have. It's by grace. And you created us, first of all, because you loved us and want to have an object for your love to pour out. And we owe ourselves to you, and so we give ourselves back to you. We're yours. We're yours. And, Lord, you have nothing but good for us when we do that. But, Lord, everything that we have is yours. And, Lord, we're going to give out of your grace. We're going to give in faith, knowing you're our source. And when we give in faith, Lord, that just releases the grace of God in greater ways from the spirit into the natural. And Lord, your super gets on our natural and our sowing and reaping. And I thank you that it goes into extreme prosperity, Lord, with no sorrow added to it. Father, I thank you for ministering this today to our hearts. And you'd say, I would just say, you need to check your heart. What thieves are stealing in your life? What Judaizers are in your life that's diverting finances out from your life that should be going to the kingdom? Grace that's poured into your life that you could be given into the kingdom of God. And then pray, where should I give? Where's that anointed place? Where's that place I can partnership with? That that's where I have that sense, the highest sense of where you called me to do, because that's your wealthy place. Father, I thank you for ministering these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship God together. Well, hi, guys. So while we were worshiping there, I felt the Lord start calling me to give. And I was thinking through how could I give, you know, what do I have in my pocket? And, and of course, the temptation came. Well, that's just me just trying to make up something, to fabricate something. And, you know, um, the Lord started reminding me of kind of my journey here and what Pastor had mentioned. I'm from Virginia, and I had the opportunity to go home for about a month and a half. I'm a student here at Karis. And um, when I left Colorado, this wasn't home. And it, was, and it had been difficult to find that place here to really call home in my heart and so I went home (laughs) and home didn't feel like home and so I'm like now what and so I believe that God was reminding me as pastor was sharing that where my treasure is there my heart will be also and and I believe that a part of helping me during this season to call this home and not looking back and not looking to the next season because I know we're all called but the right now place. I believe God wants us to be at home. And I believe our giving plays a role in helping this to be home. And I don't want to just give my money. I want to give my time. I want to give my talent. I want to give that warm smile when I walk in and and my freedom in worship. And I want to be all in, all here, at home. And One of the barriers that I think can hold us back from being all in and even stepping up to the mic 
You know, Andrew talks about the word condemned and how that that word means unfit for use. And so I just, I just tell you guys right now, you are not unfit for use here. You are not condemned in Christ. You are free. You're free to be here. You're free to be extravagant in your giving. You're free to be all out in your love for one another. You're free to be home. And so don't allow anything in your mind right now to talk you out of giving your all. Don't call yourself unfit. Don't say I'm on a fixed income. Don't say I'm not like those who could. I'm not like those who are better suited to give. I would if I could. Don't rule yourself out. Let the Holy Spirit help you today to step out to enjoy the grace you've been given. And why don't you just be home? Just enjoy being here right now. And let God figure out the details. And so I want to be home, and, and I want to call this home, and I, I want to give. And I encourage you to trust the Lord to lead you as well. So, um, I have a word of knowledge about someone um, who's in a situation where you've either, um, you're a, about to lose your license or you have lost your license. And I just want to speak um, a prayer of breakthrough over you that the Lord is going to provide transportation for you and so you can be at peace and rest in Jesus' name. Years ago, we were really taught a very legalistic way of, of tithing. It was, uh, it was very harsh and hard. And Richard did a very um, intensive, very thorough study about giving in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. And we came to a place of realizing that it's about asking the Lord what we should give and walking that out by faith. And uh, the fear went away. Um, we were, at, at the, the, there was a peace, there was a joy. And the cool thing is we give more than we ever did just under that, I have to give, da-da-da-da-da. And so anybody here, if you've had any of anything like that, I just encourage you to put that aside. Trust the Lord. He's going to give you that leading. It will have a peace with it, a joy with it. Um, that's the New Testament giving.